This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Our card for this week is Tommy Lasorda, number 74, manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Fantastic. I'm so excited for this one, David. Here we have Tommy Lasorda in the height of his managerial prowess, basically, kicked back, sitting in the driver's seat of a golf cart, kind of reclining, kind of kicked back. If I zoom in on this cart a little bit, you can see that there's nothing in the back basket, but you might think that there was maybe at one point, maybe there was a six pack in there. And he, Tommy's just smiling. This has a look of spring training to me. I, it's just, this is America to me. This card, at one point, the Tops website allowed you to order poster-sized baseball cards. I seriously considered buying this in a two-foot by three-foot size, <laughs> wall-sized giant card of Tommy Lasorda <laughs> just chilling in a golf cart. Oh my I god. I think that this is a pretty slim fast Tommy Lasorda. Yes, I would agree. It brings me back to the question, why do they make managers wear uniforms? They really shouldn't because David, I'm looking at the front here and now they always have the belt. That is one thing that is strange about baseball uniforms that you have a belt on. You know, football, uh, soccer shorts, uh, hockey outfit doesn't have a belt. But here, you can see, you know why he needs this belt is because otherwise these pants are not staying up. This belly is huge. That belt's doing a lot of work. <laughs> that, belt, that belt is earning <laughs> its paycheck. Matt, you brought this up on the Cal Ripken Senior episode. They put the height and weight of managers on the back of these cards. Tommy is listed as 5'9", 195. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a stretch. Presented without comment. Yeah, I wouldn't comment too much. Uh, looking at the back of the card, so he batted and threw left-handed. I like that they put that on there, too. Why do we need to know what what hand the manager <laughs> uses to bat? I... It just may be good to know uh, for later. That's true. Maybe good to know. Uh, so here's Tom Lasorda, born... September 22nd, 1927. And David, here we are in 2020. Tommy is he at is 92, 92 years old. As of the taping of this podcast, born in Norristown, Pennsylvania, which is the Philadelphia suburbs, and a home in Fullerton, uh, California, and then the checklist. To that background, Tommy was born in Norristown. Tommy was the second of five sons of Italian immigrants. His dad was a first-generation immigrant from Italy, and he was a relatively average high school baseball player. He said that he was the third best pitcher on his team, and the coach only used two pitchers. Some of these <laughs> things are, I guess, that Tommy says have to be taken through the lens of Tommy Lasorda. He says a lot of stuff and is uh, quite a character. There's a lot of good quotes, and then... As we'll get to a little bit later, Matt, some more questionable things that Tommy has said. 
And so maybe we should give that warning up front that this yeah. might be, you know, Tommy gets is a 90 going on 93 year old man and has led quite a life and has said a lot of things and not all of them great. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, we have tackled the issue of racism and racist language, racist jokes, bigotry of different kinds on the show. I think it's it's okay for us to reiterate that this is a show about the cards and and us trying to dig and learn more about the players, the managers, and the people behind the story. And we're not lionizing every player in this set, even if we lionize the card itself. And we there is take... no greater topic than this card. This card is so freaking good. It's so good. I'm with you, David. I would love to have a blown up poster board laminated or framed of, of this card hanging in my rumpus room uh, or basement. <laughs> it's fantastic. So yeah. So to, so to lay out the, the episode, we'll talk a little bit more about his background and his pro career. And then after he retires, we'll get into his managerial career and the kind of, where is he now? And there's a major pranks section just to, <laughs> Make sure you keep listening because this guy, this guy, plus the listener mailbag. So the, all that coming up. Yeah, there's a lot here. I, we may we may need to have a whole other episode that is just <laughs> Tommy Lasorda follow up because at some point I just gave up on my notes. We've got we've got 760 something episodes left to go, David. I'm sure we can fit follow up in there there's, later. Probably 20 more Dodgers, and we can fit another Tommy Lasorda story in with every Dodger that we talk about. So, again, from the Philadelphia area, his first contract, he signs with the Phillies. It's $100 a month, and then joins the Army from 1945 to 47. And when he came back in 1948, he came back to the Phillies. So how did he do, and where did he go from there, David? Tommy came back and was in the minor leagues for the Phillies. He had some good performances. He had There was one particular game where he struck out 25 batters in 15 innings. Oh. Back in the day when they were just willing to let guys throw until their arm fell off. The Dodgers saw these kind of performances. They liked him and picked him up in 1949. And so since 1949... Aside from a couple short stints within the A's and Yankees systems, he's been a Dodger. So 71 years that he spent <laughs> in the Dodgers organization from Brooklyn to L.A. and everywhere in between, as we'll see. And that clock is still running. He is still on the payroll with the L.A. Dodgers as of 2020. 71 years. That is incredible. And so with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 54 and 55... And 1955, an especially notable year for him, it looks like. Yes, Matt. I wouldn't say that any of Tommy's seasons in the pros were notable for positive reasons. <laughs> His professional career was pretty lackluster. Overall, in mm -hmm. the pros, he went 0-4 with a 6.48 ERA in 26 games total. <laughs> Not a lot of games for three seasons. But 1955 was his most notable season his first start as a professional was against the cardinals he tied a national league record for three wild pitches in an inning <laughs> and it was the first inning of that game he threw three wild pitches on the last one he ran to cover home as the runner was sprinting home and he got spiked 
and was bleeding from his leg. <laughs> he ends up finishing out the inning, gets the last two outs, and then the doctor pulls him, says, you can't play with that much blood on your leg. But that maybe oh, wasn't the most notable highlight of the year. In Tommy's personal biography that he likes to give when he's speaking, this one in 1955 might be bigger. He was moved to the minor leagues to make room on the roster for a young pitcher. At the time, any player who received a bonus over $4,000 had to stay on the major league roster for two years. So they couldn't send this new guy down to the minors. They had to send Tommy down to make room for a rookie left-handed pitcher, Sandy Koufax. (laughs) So Tommy likes to say, it took the greatest left-hander in history to knock him off the roster. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) It is technically true. Technically true. Tommy ended up getting sent back to the minors to make room for Sandy Koufax. After his minor league season was done, the Dodgers made the World Series. So Tommy gets called to drive to New York City to throw batting practice so that the Dodgers can get ready to play against Whitey Ford. So he does that. He drives 90 miles from Norristown, Pennsylvania to New York City, throws batting practice, mimics Whitey Ford, and then the Yankees win that game, and Tommy drives back to Pennsylvania. (laughs) The next game, he watches on TV from home, and the Dodgers won their only championship Mm -hmm. of their Brooklyn tenure. But he, So he wasn't around for that celebration, but I think that he ended up getting a World Series ring, even though he only threw in four games and that one batting practice. He got the ring. So he retires in 1960 and looked like was a decent pitcher in AAA, even though he had obviously a very short major league career. How would you wrap up his, his minor league career? Matt, he has something in common with Kirk McCaskill. Ooh, Dreamy Kirk. Yes. Aside from his charming good looks, Tommy Lasorda is also in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, along with Kirk McCaskill. (laughs) He's not Canadian? (laughs) He is not Canadian. He went 0-4 in the pros. He played in the minor leagues for the Montreal Royals, who were the AAA affiliate of the Dodgers. Hmm. And he went 110-63 and in AAA for the Royals. Oh, man. He ended up retiring as the Royals team leader in wins, games pitched, and innings pitched. So he spent a lot of time in AAA, but never quite made it in the in the majors. But good enough for a spot in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, good job. Good job, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, so after his retirement, he stuck around with the Dodgers, first as a scout from 1961 to 1965. And then moved into coaching. And he ended up managing from rookie league all the way up to triple-A ball for the Dodgers from 1965 to 1972. A lot of those teams ended up finishing in first place in their respective divisions. And after the 1972 season, Tommy was brought into the big leagues as a third base coach. At this point, the Brooklyn Dodgers had moved out to L.A. And he was brought in under Walter Alston. So Walter Alston had been the manager of the Dodgers since 1954. So he was actually Tommy's manager in Brooklyn, and he remained in that spot until 1976. In that time, Tommy was kind of viewed as the next in line, the heir apparent to Walter Elston's spot, and he turned down other head coaching jobs and stuck around as the third base coach for the Dodgers 
in the 70s. Finally, in 1976, Alston retired and Tommy Lasorda was brought in as the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's get back to what's going on in 1987 when we see Tommy in this golf cart. This 1987 Dodgers team was the second worst season of Tommy's managerial career. And they went, I think, 73 and 89 in 1987. So this was a bit of a far cry from the 81 World Series winning Dodgers. The team was also going through a bit of upheaval because their general manager was Al Campanis. And Al was fired in the 1987 season for racially insensitive comments about black managers. Al was a teammate of Jackie Robinson in Montreal and was asked to talk about Jackie Robinson and the importance of Jackie Robinson to the game. And he made comments about the suitability of black players in transitioning to be managers, general managers, in an interview with Ted Koppel. The outcome of that was that Ted Koppel basically said, those comments are sound like you're from 40 years ago. Al's comments were very swiftly condemned and he was fired within 48 hours. So that team went through some upheaval. And at that time, in 1987, there were no black managers. Currently, there's only two. And one of them manages the Dodgers right now. And the other is Dusty Baker, a player who played for Tommy Lasorda. So this team was going through some, some upheaval. But going into the 1988 season, when this card was new and was being collected, the 88 Dodgers were winning the National League West. And that year had maybe the most, in my mind, famous decision of Tommy's managerial career. Maybe he could have made some better decisions in his interview style, but on-field <laughs> management decision uh, in the 1988 World Series, which the Dodgers weren't even expected to get to the World Series, were definitely not expected to beat the Oakland A's in game one of that 1988 World Series, Tommy Lasorda pulls Kirk Gibson, who can barely walk, in the ninth inning with two outs as a pinch hitter. And Kirk Gibson hits a home run to win that game one, basically just breaking the spirit of the Oakland A's. And the Dodgers go on to win the World Series 4-1. to one. I, I watched this Kirk Gibson at bat last night. It's a nearly 10-minute at bat. And you can watch Kirk Gibson just both of his knees don't work. And Tommy put yeah. him in there. And this kind of goes to those like intangible. It was almost a too good to be true moment. Put the injured star MVP out there. Let him swing away off a guy who hadn't given up a home run in a month in Dennis Eckersley. The fist pump as he's rounding second base. The There's so much about. That whole series, man, it was it was freaking awesome. And that's the last time the Dodgers won the World Series. <laughs> Sorry, Dodgers fans. Well, I would agree with you, David. It's got to be the most famous decision of Tommy's career and a huge highlight for him. Well, Tommy Lasorda is, to, many, to anyone who followed baseball in the 80s and 90s or was just around in pop culture, Tommy Lasorda was a name that pretty much everyone knew as as a coach for the Dodgers and then just as a big personality. And maybe that explains how this is the first card with any personality that we've seen. 
Yeah, that's true. All the other cards we've looked at have either been action shots, maybe a guy looking off into the distance. This one has Tommy sitting in a golf cart laughing and just... (laughs) He's a personality, and you look at that and you go like, yeah, that makes sense that Tommy Lasorda is the only card in this set that the guy looks like he's having any fun. Tommy looks rested and ready to party. That persona from 1976... To this point in 1988, you have 12 years of Tommy Lasorda as the manager of the Dodgers. He won uh, a World Series in that time. He was in two World Series. The first year he he spent as a head coach in 77, he took the Dodgers to the World Series and, and followed up in 78. He was really successful. And I think at this point in 1988, had one of the best overall winning percentages of any manager and was just kind of an ambassador for baseball. He was always on TV a lot too, in general. Tommy Lasorda was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson multiple times. (laughs) One episode I found here, he was on in 1988. uh, So he was on during the 1988 Tops era. But also in 1981, he was on an episode with Angie Dickinson and Dom DeLuise, <laughs> which sounds like a fantastic hour of television. And then 1988, October 13th, 1988, right before the World Series. Tommy is going on Johnny Carson. Other guests, C. Willow Zimmerman, who I don't know. And then Jimmy Buffett. So imagining Tommy Lasorda and Jimmy Buffett on the same stage, you can't not have fun. Billy Bean, former baseball player, not the general manager of the A's, described him as more of a movie director, driving around in a golf cart and showing up when the cameras are ready to roll, leaving the mundane things to his assistants. He had lots of good inspirational quotes, and he seemed very jovial. I mean, look at this this picture. This is a jovial picture. You just have it is a jovial picture. Tommy Lasorda in his golf cart. Yeah, I I talked a little bit about some of Tommy's inspirational quotes. One I read was, the difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a man's determination. Oh, that's awesome. 80% of the people who hear your troubles don't care, and the other 20% are glad you're having them. Oh, man, that's kind of dark. But... And there, there's many more. Maybe we'll just drop in Tommy Lasorda quotes in every episode. He could go off the handle... And and lay into a reporter if he needed to. Yes. The, the first one, I think, can be described with the question, what's your opinion of Kingman's performance? Tommy was asked that question after Dave Kingman, who was a noted power hitter in the 70s and 80s, hit three home runs off of the Dodgers in the same game. And the Dodgers were shut out. I think they lost 11 to nothing in this game. And somebody had the... <laughs> audacity to ask Tommy what he thought about Kingman's performance and he responded with the following tirade can you give us just a few basic comments about your feelings on the game well naturally I feel bad about losing a ball game like that there's uh, there's no way you should lose that ball game and that uh, just doesn't make sense what's your opinion of Kingman's performance what's my opinion of Kingman's performance what the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- put that in. I don't f- opinion of his performance. F- he beat us with three f- home runs. What the f*** do you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? 
How could you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm off to lose the game. And you ask me my opinion of his performance. I mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I asked it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? They just did. That's right. So I'm glad that one got bleeped, David, so that we did not lose our clean rating in the Apple podcast system. Yes. You don't think of baseball managers as being a guy with a national ad campaign. And right. Tommy Lasorda was that kind of guy. Tommy ended up in this slim, fast ad where he would talk about how he dropped all this weight. Tommy's players would throw donuts into the blender while he was making his slim, fast shakes. <laughs> I, I could imagine that, that the slim, fast people were very confused after Tommy ate a 3,000-calorie shake that his players had thrown a bunch of donuts <laughs> into. He also pranked the slim fast people. Part of the advertising campaign is that Tommy would talk about how much weight he lost and how great he felt after eating these slim fast shakes. He would have his tailor change the size of his pants, and then when the slim fast producers would come in, he would say, I'm still wearing the same size pants. I don't know what's happening. But he was actually losing the weight. So he, he was pranking the company. His players were pranking him. Seems all in good fun. Yes. This time period in Tommy's life, it corresponds to connections with my family. My father had a restaurant in Wichita, Kansas called the Garden Cafe and Bakery. This would have been the, the height of the Slim Fast era. But Tommy was still dieting. He was still trying to keep the weight down. He came to my town and actually ate at my dad's restaurant. And for the details, let me go to the listener mailbag. Uh, because I asked my father, Matt Sr., to validate some of this. And he, he remembered very clearly that the Wichita, Kansas Sports Commission had created the Johnny Bench Award given to the best college baseball catcher. Now, Tommy Lasorda came to Wichita because he was a guest speaker. And my high school athletic director actually hosted a catching clinic at our high school. And Johnny Bench came and Tommy Lasorda came and the three finalist college baseball catchers, they came to the clinic too to teach the kids and it was this big thing. And before the event, they all went to my dad's restaurant. So I asked him what, what Tommy had, if he remembered, and he did not remember, but he said it was healthy because he was on a diet, probably stir fry or a big spinach salad with chicken, no desserts, it, which sounds right because the my dad's restaurant had some really, really good big salads with chicken breast on them. David, let's go to a recurring theme on the 1988 Tops podcast, which is mascots. We've talked about the infamous Pittsburgh Parrot. We have looked at the Chiba Lote Marines, demon fish inside <laughs> a fish. fish. <laughs> fish <laughs> the man, monster fish. Fish man. Fish, fish, man, fish man eating another fish. 
man man dressed as a fish eating another fish while in the belly of a fish. Tommy Lasorda is like the nemesis of Major League mascots. This is an important subject to get to. Tommy had a long-running feud with the Philly Fanatic. The guy who played the Philly Fanatic would go out of his way to go after Tommy Lasorda. He made a mannequin of Tommy Lasorda. (laughs) And then he would pretend to feed it food. He would make fun of its weight. <laughs> he, the Philly fanatic would walk around with its belly sticking out and pretend to eat pizzas. <laughs> and finally, one day, he, he drove up in front of the Dodgers dugout on a four-wheeler carrying this Tommy Lasorda mannequin. And Tommy had it. And he ran out and stole the mannequin from it. And we'll post a video in the show notes. He steals the mannequin. He then tackles the Philly fanatic and tries to pull his head off and tries to, and also steals the four wheeler. <laughs> <So, laughs> yes. The one follow up I have to that is that the guy who was inside the Philly fanatic costume talked about it. He would get Tommy Lasorda's Jersey from Steve Sachs, a player for the Dodgers. So he had a guy on the inside <laughs> helping him out, (laughs) helping him troll the opposing team's manager. And later in Tommy's career and in the Philly Fanatics career, the guy inside the costume saw Tommy out at a hotel, said hi to him. Tommy said, how's your dad doing? They had developed a rapport. And basically, Tommy said, I wanted to kill that guy, but then kind of laughed it off. You know, just he, Tommy had a, a good sense of humor about some of these things, even though in this video, he looks really, really bad. Maybe not (laughs) as bad as this next one where Tommy was responsible for the first mascot ejection. What? (laughs) Yuppie was the Montreal Expos mascot. Yuppie remains a mascot for the Montreal Canadiens. He's this giant orange thing. As all of them are, they're all giant yeah. things. He's like a giant Muppet. And Yuppie would jump up and down on the opposing team's dugout roof. And the dugout roof was made of metal, and so it was just super loud. So he's jumping up and down. He's running and sliding into a home home plate that he had put down. Yuppie was doing this in a 22-inning game. <laughs> and whenever the game in Montreal went to extra innings, Yuppie would put on his pajamas to signify it's past his bedtime. Yes, yeah. Tommy had enough of Yuppie jumping up and down on top of the dugout and had Yuppie thrown out of the game. So you see this very sad-looking mascot in pajamas <laughs> getting thrown out of Olympic Stadium. <laughs> I would be pretty uh, upset, too. It, a 22-inning game is criminal. That is too long. <laughs> We've had some good fun about Tommy's personality and about his success as a manager. Let's tackle a couple of the problematic things we have kind of we kind of alluded to at the beginning. You had mentioned the insensitive racist remarks that were by Al Campanis that led to him being let go. There's some other... T- Other problematic stuff when it comes to racism. Yeah. Donald Sterling was the owner of the L.A. Clippers. 
and has a history of racism. As a property owner, he was discriminatory against people of color, made racist comments against black people. Then as the owner of the Clippers, was recorded making racist comments to an assistant. And specifically making comments about that assistant hanging out with Magic Johnson and other black people. Tommy Lasorda was asked about Donald Sterling. And Tommy said, I've been a friend of that guy's for 30 years. It doesn't surprise me that he said those things. That doesn't surprise me. He shouldn't have said it. He just hurt himself by talking too much and doing things that he shouldn't be doing. So not really condemning Donald Sterling for his racist comments and instead just saying that's Donald Sterling. That's who he is. He also then added that he hoped the person who recorded the call gets hit by a car. Mm. So not only not condemning Sterling's comments, but also then attacking the person who recorded them for outing Sterling as a racist that people already knew he was. There was another incident more recently in 2018 where Tommy was asked to take a picture with a fan at Dodger Stadium and then kind of inexplicably asks another fan, where are you from? And the fan says, Korea. And he says, why don't you go back to where you're from? And the person filming it was a, a Dodgers season ticket holder and didn't really know what to do with this video and just said he couldn't believe it and didn't release it for another couple years and then kind of said, like, just made it public. And it's really disappointing because as we talked about, Tommy has been a global ambassador for the game. The Dodgers have a history, particularly with players from Asia and players from the Dominican Republic and, and places in Central America. Tommy is kind of beloved worldwide as a global ambassador. And so these incidences are really troubling and really disappointing for a guy that, Matt, you and I remember as this kind of jolly, goofy guy. And now he is a a bit of a relic. And it's it's disappointing. Another and maybe the final point of behavior from Tommy that is difficult to tackle here is Tommy's son. And so Tommy Lasorda Jr. died in 1991. On his death certificate, it says that he died of AIDS. It was well known in West Hollywood that Tommy Jr. was a gay man. Tommy Lasorda has never admitted that his son was gay and has denied it and said, my son was not gay. He wasn't and denied that his son had AIDS. 1991 was, it was a different time, but it was a big time for AIDS in the world. Magic Johnson came out as HIV positive and it did a lot for acceptance of HIV and the discussion around HIV. Tommy's son grew up traveling with his dad from town to town in major, in, in minor league towns. He became friends with a lot of the Dodgers players, including Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke. And Glenn Burke was one of the earliest gay athletes who was out with his teammates. In the 70s, the Dodgers tried to convince Glenn that he should get married for PR. When he didn't, and because he was close with Tommy's son, he was traded away to Oakland. He went on to also die of AIDS, developed a terrible drug habit, and is a, a really a tragic story. 
according to Billy Bean, who's currently the ambassador for inclusion and played under Tommy Lasorda, he said that Lasorda got rid of Glenn Burke because he was too close to his son and he was an influence on Tommy Lasorda Jr. Billy also describes homophobic jokes made by Tommy Lasorda in the locker room, which were probably rampant at the time and not necessarily a reflection on Tommy the man, but more a reflection of the time. By all accounts, Tommy was a good parent and loved his son very much. Tommy and his wife were supportive of their son in all of his endeavors and his art, and, and that doesn't seem to be the problem. I don't want to be too harsh on Tommy here because he was clearly going through something very difficult and denial is a difficult thing to overcome. I just, I do wish that there had been a different path here and that maybe if Tommy had been able to be more supportive and accept that and speak publicly about it, that maybe it could have changed some of the conversation around both homophobia in Major League Baseball, as well as the perception of AIDS in the public at large. We've seen what Tommy did and his public persona is so big uh, that it could have been a really important voice in support of those important issues. I think that's really well said. Reading about Tommy Jr. and his friendship with Dusty Baker led me to think back to an interaction that I had with Dusty Baker. When he was the manager of the Chicago Cubs, he used to come into the bar that I worked at. Uh, and he would come in because he was ordering from the restaurant across the street. He would order a scotch and sit and watch the guy who played piano early in the evening. And he would always give the guy whose name was um, Detroit Jr. He would give Detroit Jr. 20 bucks. He would get his scotch, wait for his food, and then he would take off. And it was just always a, a pleasant interaction and something where he was often the only person in the bar. And he just seemed like a really nice and down-to-earth guy. This reading about his friendship with Tommy Jr. was touching as well. He said that Tommy was a good and sensitive kid. And in an article, Tommy Jr. said that he was his favorite player because they would talk about music. And he said that some of the other players would kid him about it because of the perception that this young gay man was friends with Dusty Baker. And he said, you know, this is, everybody's not going to be cool. Most people aren't going to be until they have someone close who's afflicted, which I have. So Dusty has been uh, an advocate for AIDS education for a very long time. And it just made me feel much better about uh, my interaction with Dusty Baker and how I felt like that's a, a genuine nice guy. And then to read this story, it was kind of a an uplifting story about Dusty Baker befriending a, a young man who maybe not a lot of professional baseball players would befriend. Thank you, David. So let's let's wrap up Tommy Lasorda going on 93. Yes, he retired in 1996 after a heart attack and he had uh, angioplasty. And he said that he couldn't get as excited as he normally would be as manager, as we've seen with his fights with mascots. And so he retired and was the next year inducted into the Hall of Fame as a manager, the baseball, National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, not the one in Canada. <laughs> all in all, he won nearly 1,600 games, 
two World Series, and two more National League pennants. And to this day, in 2020, he's still working with the organization, with the Dodgers. He uh, recently recorded a video uh, talking about how to stay safe during COVID. He basically just is sitting there in a mask. He's got some rubber gloves on, and he's just yelling, Stay home! Wear your mask! And, you know, he says, we're all one team. He talked about in another interview I saw that he wants to be buried underneath the pitcher's mound at Dodger Stadium. And so if there is a young lefty on the mound who's having a rough time, he can just whisper to him, slow down, you can do it, and uh, forever be uh, enshrined in Dodger Stadium. Tommy bleeds Dodger blue and is a, a Dodger legend and also has an asteroid named after him. We should all be so lucky. Huh. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that is a stellar, stellar show, uh, David. I, I suppose we should give Tommy the final word. He said, um, when your life is over, you can't come back after a week when you've had enough rest. You've got to live for now. So Tommy, 93 years old, is still living for now and still bleeding Dodger blue. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that, David. Thank you to my dad for writing in on the listener mailbag. Thank you to you at home. If you have a favorite card from the 1988 Tops set that you'd like us to take a look at, please reach out. We are at Tops1988 on Twitter or 1988topspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page where you can discuss each week's show and give suggestions for future shows. We are at facebook.com slash 1988topspodcast. We will see you next week. 